Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm Carol Stewart, the host, and I'm an executive career coach known as the coach for high achieving introverted women. And this is the podcast for introverted women who are leaders who want to thrive as leaders and in life. Now, I'm excited about today's episode because I've got a dear friend of mine, Susan Heaton Wright, who is a virtual impact communications and speaking expert for emerging leaders and the creator of the Superstar Communicator Methodology. She's an international speaker, the managing director of award-winning music company, Viva Live Music. She's a podcaster as well, and she hosts the Superstar Communicator podcast, so do check it out. And she's a former prize-winning international opera singer. And in 2020, she was named as an I also 100 top inspirational female entrepreneur in the UK. And she's a fellow of the Professional Speaking Association. And the reason why I'm really looking forward to today's session is because we're talking about a, an issue that many of my listeners find challenging, and that is exe executive presence. And we're particularly focusing on today is tone of voice, because the tone of voice plays a key part in exuding that presence. So before we get into the meat of it, hello, Susan, and welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Carol. And anybody listening, Carol is the most amazing lady. And I've known you for a few no years now, haven't uh, we've known each other for a few years in a business capacity. And I have seen you and your business grow. And I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And so before we dive in, uh, please tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Well, I empower people individuals and teams to speak and communicate in a very effective way. Um, this can be everything from one-to-one -one meetings through to sharing your opinion um, or expertise in meetings, in um, presentations, public speaking, even pitching. And I created my own methodology, Superstar Communicator, after identifying the five key areas that I believe are essential in order to do that in an effective way. What my background is, yeah, you intimated that I'm a prize winning opera singer, which for which was absolutely wonderful to um, have that award. But I am naturally very introverted, believe it or not, people don't believe me. But when I was at school, I was one of those girls that was overlooked because I was quite quiet and got quite anxious speaking out. And I know firsthand what it's like to feel that you're undervalued because you don't speak up. Now, I don't mean about being the loudest in the room, but having strategies so that you can voice your opinion and you can back it up with really good presence. Great, thank you. Yeah, this is going to be such an interesting discussion. <laughs> and so tone of voice, um, what part does that play in exuding executive presence? Do you know, it's essential, isn't it? Um, I believe, and I'm sure 
sure you are with me on this, Carol, that we should speak so it's as easy as possible for other people to listen to us and understand us. And tone of voice comes with that, doesn't it? Yes. And if we if we are listening to somebody's voice and they are perhaps apologetic or nervous um, or don't exude confidence, you're going to switch off or not take it in in the same way. Yeah, and that is that is so true. And so. Um, so for people who are quiet, who maybe don't have a loud voice, what are some of the things that they they can do to uh, work on their or develop their tone of voice so that it, they do have that impact with their voice? Now, personal communication isn't only what you say, and it isn't only your voice. It's your nonverbal communication as well and I'm sure you've come across the um, the work that was done by Meridian in the 1970s on on personal communication there is a model which is seven percent what you say I'm going to get the the um, <laughs> the percentages wrong now I know it 38 percent your voice the tone of your voice and then the rest of it is your body language or nonverbal communication. Now, this particular model has been misquoted ad infinitum. Um, what he actually said was, if you don't match what you say with the tone of your voice and your body language, which includes your facial expression, your, your gestures, your body language, then you're going to confuse your audience. So you're not going to make the, the same amount of impact. So particularly for quieter people, if you can back up what you're saying um, with very clear, confident, um, impactful body language, um, a facial, a facial expressions that match that and also your gestures, you are immediately going to have more presence. Yeah, that's that's a, a great tip there. Um, you know, one of the thing is with uh, introverted women and people generally who are introverted, they they may not necessarily be overly animated, um, and so they may be less expressive with their gestures. So, yeah, and, and so so for somebody who is like who is you know, doesn't, isn't very sort of expressive um, with their body language. What, what sort of things do they need to be thinking of when you, when you say sort of match your tone of voice? And, and I guess also the other thing is, is, you know, speaking in one tone or do you, you know, when do you raise, raise the tone of your voice or lower the tone of your voice? What sort of things do they need to be thinking about? Okay, so... It, um, you don't need to be animated or moving around a lot when you are speaking to other people to make an impact. There are occasions when people are very still and they say something and it has immense power and presence. But that is because they have 
very open body language. So then their heads are up, their shoulders are down, um, their chests are open. They look confident, but they might not be moving around very much. I'm sure you've come across people like that. Yeah, and someone who I can think who, who is probably a good example, a great example of that is Barack Obama. Um, exactly. Yeah, because he's he's not an animated person. He's a no. he's an introvert. He's quiet, but he has a great presence. I think. Absolutely, and you'll see he's got a very open face. You know, open facial expressions, um, but his his posture is very open and confident. And here's the thing: when you are open, and when you have not got much tension in your body your voice comes out far more easily so, so in some ways your voice can mirror your body language because mm. if you are looking confident it's your voice is going to be freer right okay mm. so that's a, that's quite an important thing to think about that thinking about mirroring making sure that you match what you say with your vocal tone and your body language but also keeping your body language open and i don't mean that you're having to have powerful postures you know the power pose but just <laughs> one that looks confident and if you start looking around the room um people that have got presence they are not necessarily waving their arms around or being the most expressive person physically they are just there mm. yes and, and that is um quite profound i i did a a, a session on um, executive presence as a linkedin live uh, a while back and as well as one person commented it's she said it's a bit like being a mountain a mountain in the distance it's still but it has presence and i thought that that was a great analogy absolutely um, we often forget that um presence is not about being the most jazz handy person in the room <laughs> but some <laughs> but actually being there, being in the moment. Yeah. And you don't have to be loud to do that. Yes. And, and I have a saying that you don't have to be loud to stand out, but you do have to have presence. <laughs> you do. And you are less likely to have presence if you're looking anxious, if you're looking down, if you've got crossed arms and legs. You know those things that make us look smaller yeah and you are giving off negative energy there you are giving more reassurance if you not by having aggressive presence but by just being there and looking comfortable in your skin mm -hmm. yeah and 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 so going back to barack obama as well one thing that you know i've noticed that he's he's good at is is using pauses so he will oh, he will definitely. use pauses to um to portray that presence as well yes he's he's very clever in fact when he first came on the scene a lot of people um analyzed what he did and and it it's funny because it all most seems old-fashioned now because we've all looked at it <laughs> however there are things that we can learn from it 
one of them is that he speaks very clearly mm -hmm. you understand every word he says you don't have to work hard to work out what he said mm -hmm. also he you know his diction is very clear he doesn't speak too fast but also he uses those pauses they give that moment for you to reflect and take on board what he said yeah and and just picking up on what something that you said there about um not speaking too fast um i often um see where people are maybe getting anxious they speed up yes. because they want to get over and done with um but they need to slow down rather than speeding up just by slowing down that helps to calm them down as well doesn't it absolutely um and there are a couple of things that happen when we're anxious one it can be that the pitch of our voice goes higher there are a number of situations where the pitch of our voice can alter and one of them is if we're fearful if we're anxious if we're excited um and that can that is giving messages to the people that are listening or watching you so if we can relax a little bit and the breath can be very useful for that and that's what we don't know but barack obama if he was nervous he might have had a pause so he could take a good deep breath mm. and then carry on speaking because we know that if you take deep breaths in and out that can help us to manage our anxiety a little bit and and tell our tell our brain let's not go into neuroscience on this but it can it can help us to relax a little bit more and feel more secure so it might be listeners that if you do find that you are suddenly getting anxious and starting to breathe shallowly um, start taking a deep breath and using that as a pause and then to speak and try and slow down then take another deep breath try to slow down mm. and you will find that not only does your speech slow but the pitch of your voice will go slightly lower because you are calm yeah that's no that's a great tip and in situations where uh, louder personalities are speaking over you oh. um <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. What what can what can someone do? You know, they 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 haven't got a loud voice. That they've got louder personalities who are talking over them. What are some of the things that they could do to to um, make an impact with their voice? Well, I have a sort of four step diagnosis or solution to people that are interrupting you i should flag up that there can be any number of reasons why people interrupt you one might be that you're speaking slowly that you're not you don't have the presence and it's worthwhile considering that it could be that somebody's just very animated themselves and excited but we also know that there are game players in the world 
and they might be preventing you from speaking for their own agenda. So the four steps are here, and it's a shame you can't see me um, because there are hands that go up and things. But the first one is that you carry on talking, but consciously slightly lower the pitch of your voice and make it louder. Now I say lower the pitch of your voice because when we speak louder, the pitch of our voice can go higher. So we don't want the impact to be lost by our voices going higher. We want to have that executive presence. So we continue talking like this and making sure that our voice remains calm, but louder and slightly lower pitched. Great. All right. Mm -hmm. If it continues, you have the one finger, not the middle finger, please, everybody. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not advocating rudeness, everybody. <laughs> one finger up is that, excuse me, I'm speaking, and you carry on, but you remain calm. Don't go, excuse me, because that you're going to lose it. Yeah. So it's calm, excuse me. Then, if it continues, one hand up. We know where that comes from. <laughs> excuse me, I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you can hear how my voice has remained you know not excuse me because that's when you lose it you've got to remain calm and then the final one is two hands up i am speaking do not interrupt me <laughs> yeah no, that, that, that is a great advice and i and i hope listeners that you are taking notes of this because um i think that is a great tip I've got four photos and I'd be happy to share them with you as sort of series, which is quite hilarious. Yeah. But the, the, there are key things to this. Um, you are increasingly using your body language. You are using gestures, your presence to show that this is your space. But also you must not make it emotional in any way, even if you are really angry with other people. Um, don't show it in your your facial expression or in your voice because here's the thing you do have a right to speak and you do have a right not to be interrupted yeah and that is so true and um listeners do remember that at all times and um and also sort of the another thing which can when people are maybe anxious they can go into apologetic talk. Oh, absolutely. And actually there are two th things that happen. Um, I, I was sent a, an article last summer about the um, fear, flight, oh God, I will just get it wrong. Um, fear, flight and freeze, is it? Yeah, a fear, flight, freeze. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one, another F, which is fawn that in certain cases, there are people that feel frightened and then they become all apologetic and kiss the ring. Oh yes, you, yeah, you must speak and all of those sorts of things. And we need to watch that. It's almost like, a, you know, Stockholm syndrome where, <laughs> where you feel so vulnerable that you feel that you've got to look up to the other person. 
mm-hmm. despite their their behavior it's something that we need to watch um so of course in that situation as you say we apologize sorry but you know i'm speaking now why why should you be sorry you're speaking um don't apologize in those situations but also look at your body language you do not need to be fawning at the other person because they have interrupted you so almost stand your ground with your pres- your physical presence as well yeah and and what what about someone who is maybe you know uh small in stature or petite and small in stature and they're in a, a room of sort of people who are much large, large, bigger than them, taller than them, louder than them. What, and, I, and I know this is sort of moving from, probably moving from tone of voice, but I guess tone of voice can still have an effect. Um, how can they then sort of hold their own in those sorts of situations? Do you know, some of, sorry, some of the most um, dynamic people that I know, and I'm sure you know as well, Carol, are petite. And they're just dynamos, aren't they? Now, I don't know if that's because they've had to work at it. They've had to perhaps um, work at that because they don't have the the, the size for presence that um, other people have. I are honestly, it is difficult if you are short because you're always having to look up. If say you're in, dare dare I say it, we go back into um, networking face to face. You're always looking up, aren't you? Yeah. Um, but equally, if you are speaking to somebody else who's tall, and if you talk to talk to very tall people, they often say, "Do you know I spend my time leaning forward because I can't hear people." Mm-hmm which is interesting, isn't it? You know, I think, I feel that you've got to be very, very aware of your presence and think about that idea that you are a mountain, you are an oak tree, um, something that has got real presence, even though you're small, even Mm. though you're tiny. And 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 I love that uh, that analogy that you just used to think of yourself as an oak tree even though you are tiny yes that can help to expand your mind yes absolutely Mm. the roots as as well as the crown of the tree Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and for people who um english is their second language and yes who who maybe um maybe say are they not struggle with the English language, but they may not necessarily um, be, you know, fully conversant in the English language, but yet they're having to demonstrate their presence. Any suggestions for them? Do you know, I always really, really admire people who are doing business in English when it is not their native tongue. And I would say that lots of people highly respect those people. If they don't, as we know, um, there there are players and that they're just wanting to find any weakness, but that's another thing. 
I would say that it is worthwhile really working on your nonverbal communication. So maybe practicing in front of a mirror, which can sound a little bit scary, but just watching yourself speak and getting used to what you look like. Um, could you use some simple gestures to emphasize certain words? that can help you both with the rhythm of how you're speaking but just to almost highlight certain words that are going to be important in the sentence right now that, that is a a great tip gosh you're full of great tips and advice Susan. oh i'm full of it <laughs> <laughs> but there is something about i don't know if you were going to ask me about picture voice yes i was yes Oh, sorry. No, 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 go on. You, you might as well um, go ahead. Yes. Yes, when it comes to pitch. Do ask, do ask, me, the, do ask me the question about... Probably oh, just, you know, how, what, what do people need to be thinking about when it comes to pitch, uh, the pitch of their voice? Now, you know as well as I do that um, Margaret Thatcher very famously had her voice trained so that it was lower pitched. Everybody asks me this when 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 I talk about this sort of thing. Um, in the case of Margaret Thatcher, she had a very, let's say, a very strident voice early on. And in the House of Commons, of course, they all have to shout to be heard. And when she shouted or raised her voice, the pitch of her voice went very high and it was very shrill and quite unpleasant to listen to. I don't know if you've heard old recordings of her. It's pretty scary. Mm -hmm. um, and that put people off. And as I said at the beginning, we need to make it as easy as possible for other people to listen to us. But if you've got a voice like that, it can be more difficult. So that was one of the reasons why she was trained um, vocally to lower the pitch of her voice. So when she did raise her voice, it didn't become very high and shrill. Now, um, I don't know if the listeners know Baroness Betty Boothroyd. Yes. For those people who don't know her, that there are going to be younger listeners on here and perhaps people from overseas. She was the first female leader of the house in the House of Commons. So she sat on a big chair, big throne, um, stopping piece from being naughty and shouting over each other so there was some semblance of order and she would shout order order um now i was intrigued by her voice and wrote to her in about 2009 to ask if i could ask her some questions about how she used her voice and she actually invited me to the house of lords for afternoon tea Ooh. i know um I, such an honor what a wonderful lady a real advocate of female entrepreneurship as well. And she told me that she has a lower pitched voice than mine naturally. You know, it's a real Yorkshire voice down here. And that was her, her real voice. But she knew that when she raised the voice, the pitch would go slightly higher, as I've mentioned before with Maggie Thatcher or earlier on for when we're getting cross with people interrupting us. So again, she consciously made sure her voice didn't go higher 
in order to um, project the voice and it be very, very clear. Now, if you listen to old or watch old videos of her going, order, order, she does exactly that and it cuts through all of the noise. So that, that's one thing, really being aware of when the pitch of your voice alters. Is there a situation, a conversation that you have to have with somebody where the pitch of your voice goes higher? Perhaps a telephone conversation or you're, you're giving a, a feedback or um, an appraisal of somebody in your team. It might be that you become consciously aware of your voice changing. Likewise, if you're tired, if you're excited, um, the pitch can, the, the tone of your voice can alter. And there's been a lot of research done about this, but one piece of research that I really enjoyed reading because, you, you know, sometimes they, they go slightly off mark. And this was in 2018, Stirling University um, did some work on um, picture voice and also the content that people said. And they had a lot of volunteers and they put them in pairs and they assigned one of them as being the more senior person and the other one more junior in mock interviews. And what they found was not, not only that the person that was signed assign the more senior role had more impactful powerful vocabulary that they used to describe their role who they were um anything and the pitch of their voice went slightly lower whereas the person who was assigned the less senior position had more um apologetic words less powerful words less impactful words and guess what the pitch of their voice went slightly higher. Oh, interesting. And this was subconscious. They were not aware they were doing it. And they were mixed up. So sometimes they were in a more senior role, sometimes in a, a, a less senior one. And it was consistent, which is really interesting. That isn't is it? very interesting. So what can we learn? It's really, really interesting. Yeah. What can we learn from this? that subconsciously there are certain situations that we might alter the pitch of our voice. Are we doing this to try and make us less present, have less presence, be less impactful? Mm. And that's a question for the listeners, isn't it? It's, it certainly is. And particularly, I often have um, uh, clients when they come to coaching and you know, they're in, in, in board meetings and where there are people who are more um senior they often have a, find it challenging to um you know really sort of make an impact and have that presence yes. so that is very interesting yeah and is there something going wrong uh, going on not wrong mm -hmm. in, um subconsciously that is making them raise the pitch of their voice i mean it's not significant it's not down here to up here yeah. um but we know people who do that when when they're nervous so yeah. i wonder if senior women so some of them who are getting anxious this is happening to them yes yes 
I, I can well see that that could be. Mm. And it, it's worthwhile, listeners, just spending a few minutes reflecting on this, thinking about how your voice alters in different situations. Start to be consciously aware of it, because when you're consciously aware, you can start to change it if necessary. That's great. Thank you so much for that, Susan. It's, um, yeah, there's so much I, that I could talk to you about with regards to this topic, but... Um... You know, Please we're do. running Please out of time. <laughs> so, and I, and I guess um, for you as a former opera singer, um, you would probably have, because you, you mentioned as a, um, as a child, you were sort of quiet and you were often overlooked because you were quiet. So yes. how did you go from being that quiet child to an opera singer singing on stages, <laughs> you know, right in the center of everything? and um, the, the 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 tone of voice that you have to use as an opera singer sort of the range of the voice as well so how how did you go from that quiet child to being an opera singer <laughs> yeah it, it's quite a story and then more recently becoming a fellow of the professional speaking association mm. as well yeah it's been really quite a transformation and listeners if i can do it you definitely can yeah. please believe that please believe believe it I, I I mean I I believe that there were certain aspects of my upbringing that meant that I was told I shouldn't take center stage not show off be in the background all the time so because that was the message that I had I have that as a given I didn't put myself forward as a soloist for example I would be very much in the back row um, contributing in choirs in that way um, but I was, um, I went along to a choir when I came to London and they had these very big choirs and I had to audition to join. And the conductor stopped me and said, you've got a remarkable voice, you really should go and get it trained. And that was literally it, um, that I had a singing teacher and eventually decided to go to music college. And that was a big shift because I had to learn to take centre stage, to accept that actually it was okay to do that and to have the limelight. But I was saying only recently in another podcast that even on my wedding day, I found it quite strange being the leading lady. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and I guess sort of having that background that has put you in great stead to do what you're doing now um, and helping leaders with their communication and their communication techniques and their communication style. I like to hope so that if nothing else, they can be inspired by my journey and the fact that I really, really do understand. Mm. Because quite often there are um, books about visibility and speaking up and all of those things, which are very, very useful. But inevitably, they are written by people who are extroverts. Mm. Yes. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yes. And I read them and think, oh, <laughs> I don't know I could do that oh that feels a bit uncomfortable um but but actually for us introverts there are other ways that we can have presence and make an impact 
And there certainly is. Well, thank you very much, Susan. This has been a wonderful discussion. And so if people want to find out more or get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. There's only one Susan Heaton Wright. And I would be delighted if you sent me a connection request saying you've heard me on here. I would love to connect with you. And also my website is called superstarcommunicator.com. Great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Susan. It's been lovely to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And if you want to find out how you can increase your confidence, your influence and impact, then go to my website, aboundingsolutions.com, and there's a free assessment there. If you're not in my High Achieving Introverted Women Facebook group, then do find us on Facebook. Or if you are a senior leader and you're on LinkedIn, then do join my High Achieving Introverted Senior Women LinkedIn group. So until the next time, bye.